Welcome to Live and Love Your Brand, a podcast to support you in sharing your message and mission with the world. I'm your host, Emma Lovell. I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature. I'm a personal branding specialist with a mission to support female entrepreneurs to live and love their brand. I've been running my business, Lovely Communications, for more than 12 years, and I can hand on heart say that my success has come from the strength of my personal brand. I believe in the power of owning and sharing our story. I want to help you own your story, shop consistently, and really put yourself out there. So here on the podcast, you'll find helpful tips, practical exercises, and joyful discussions that will inspire you to reconnect with your brand and communicate it more effectively. I'll be joined by incredible experts to discuss how personal branding can have a huge impact on your business and on your life. I'd love to hear from you, so please make sure to connect over on social media. You can find me on Instagram at lovelycoms, that's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, double the L means double the life, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and you can join in the conversation in our lovely community, the Live and Love Your Brand Facebook group. Of course, make sure to come back weekly as each new episode drops. I can't wait to share with you how to gain clarity, build confidence, and increase connections all by sharing your unique personal brand with the world. Lovely Communications is based on the Gold Coast and recognizes Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. We are grateful for the continuing care of the lands, waterways and skies where we work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on your Gumbe country and from wherever you are listening, we respect the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to the Live and Love Your Brand podcast. I am so excited today to be welcoming mover, shaker and content creator. Lynn Testoni. How good is that little byline? (laughs) It's her little tagline. It's on her email signature. It made me giggle and it made me uh, feel excited to talk to her. Lynn is incredible. Uh, I was actually just a guest on Lynn's podcast that she hosts with Rachel Smith, The Content Bite. And Lynn has such a wealth of knowledge from her days as a journalist and editor. And she is now a content creator, as she said, and um, just so much wisdom to share on the power of context, contacts and opening up your little black book. So a little bit more about our lovely Lynn. Lynn Testoni is one of Australia's leading writers and editors in the home design and food niche. She also spent more than five years in senior marketing roles in retail and homewares. Lynn has been a freelance content creator and writer for more than six years. She regularly regularly writes for Inside Out, Home Beautiful, Taste.com.au and various trade magazines. Her corporate clients include Giprock, PGH Bricks, Cape Cod Australia and Winston Blinds. She has presented masterclasses on topics such as beyond journalism, breaking into media, quoting and pricing and has been a speaker at TEDx Newtown. And she's also the co-host, as I mentioned, of the highly successful podcast, The Content Bite. So please come along and listen to Lynn's fabulous stories of how sharing and reaching out to your network and having contacts and being open in this space can really help you to build your brand, build your business and, you know, make some really great relationships along the way. Enjoy the episode.
welcome to the Live and Love Your Brand podcast, Lynn Testoni. Thank you, Emma. It's lovely to be here. It's really nice to see you on the Zoom. Yes, and we're doing a bit of a podcast swap because I got to come and be on yours recently and now we get to hear all about you. So opening with the existential and fun question of who are you? Who are? Who am I? Um, so I guess I call myself a writer. It seems the simplest thing. Um, and and I specialise, my niche is um, mostly food, interiors and construction, like building and things. So that's, I do a variety of things, but I work for myself. I'm a freelancer and I sort of write, like, I do a lot of case studies. That's what I really like. Mm. Um, a lot of interviews with people. And for a lot of clients. And yeah, that's basically what I am. It's pretty simple. But you know what? It is actually sometimes people who are doing writing struggle Mm. to say that simple sentence of, I am a writer, because they have this view in their mind, especially probably when they're starting out, of what does a writer look like? And I think it's that, you know, in front of a typewriter and writing long pieces. And it's that a writer can write many things. And I think I've seen people struggle with just saying that. So the fact that you say that is actually. Yeah, it's nice and simple. I used to sometimes I call myself a content creator, but except for things like LinkedIn where people are looking for that, and that's what I have on my LinkedIn profile, most people ask if I say I'm a writer, it it is really simple and clear. And I think people then understand what I mostly do. And, I, yeah. yeah, I'm happy with that, yeah. Oh, well, and then you can go into the detail. Oh, okay, you're a writer. What type what of writing do you do? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a conversation starter, but I mean, the, it but is. people can't sometimes even say that. Or, or you mm. try to find, and you're very good at this actually, uh, trying to find whirly gig fancy ways to say something when um, yeah. you were talking about like your, your headlines and your hook, mm. really be quite clear and simple and catch their attention. But uh, people try to make these fancy pants titles and you're like, I don't even know what you do or what you're trying to say. Um, you can go into the fancy pants a bit later, but initially, let's just be clear. Be clear and simple. And I think that comes from like I started, I was spent the first 30 so years of my career as a journalist. And I think that as a journalist, you're trained, particularly in the days that I was trained, um, to keep it really simple. And to sort of cut out the bullshit. And I think that is really part of why I simplify it. And um, maybe as one of my friends said, you don't want to have tickets on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so we often, sometimes we just say tickets. Yeah, there you go. Just keep yourself in check, tickets. Yeah. <laughs> but you do have a little bit of a cute um, line, which is you are a mover, shaker and content creator. Um, so... Tell me what content creation means to you. And I said I do love that. I love, I love that mover shaker. Yeah, I, I, I think um, a content creator, basically I mostly create work, I use words to create content. Um, and I do the mover and shaker because um, I think one of my strengths and one of the things that I'm really good at is I'm really well connected. Mm-hmm. I've been working in the business for a really long time and I've, I worked in magazines for many, many years and I know a lot of people and I've worked with lots of people who are in-house, who freelance or just maybe being around. I mean, I live in Sydney and I was born in Sydney and grew up here. So I pretty well know a lot of people. And I always say that if I don't know somebody, I'm only one or two phone calls away from somebody that they need. So the 
uh, Mover and Shaker is more about my connections and my contact book. And I know that is one of the things that my clients come to me for because they know I can find the right person. Oh, it's so powerful to have that um, skill, but, you know, Mm. for you to recognise that as well. Um, And I like that it's not just who you know, it's that you, you know who knows. Who, yes. who knows? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think that that's um, a journalist thing. And sometimes people um, it sort of come to me and they are, say, I get a lot of ad- added value for my clients. And they say, oh, we want a, you know, a photographer. I mean, once I had to find a pho- photographer in Burnie. And um, which is quite a tiny town in Tasmania. And I needed a freelance photographer for a big project one of my clients was working on. And within like, yeah, two degrees, I had somebody, you know, because somebody I knew um, went to uni with somebody who worked at the Bernie Advocate who knew the local, the best photographer in Bernie. And I tell you, he was awesome, that photographer. And, um, And everyone said, I can't believe you found such a good photographer in Bernie. But it was all about contacts and using your network really I think it's also that ask and you shall receive as well if you don't put out there what you want and it's being quite specific mm. I know that our, our good colleague and contact and your co-host Rachel she she knows that I'll know someone so she, yes. she's like oh I need a person for this article Emma will know them and yes. it's such a lovely thing when you go Oh, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. And, and I I know people and I've got really good, I help people out a lot too. Mm-hmm. I think it's a quid pro quo thing that I have a lot of people who ask me for contacts with food, um, interiors, which is obviously my strength. And I always can help. I've helped out lots of freelancers with um, uh, architects that are media friendly or designers or um, editors. Um a lot of the editors on some of the magazines, some of them I trained, some mm. of them I gave their first break to. And when at one stage years ago, I also trained all the cadet count, uh, I was the cadet counselor at News Limited. So I trained a lot of young journalists who are now quite, you know, senior. Um, so I help out a lot of people. I have a lot of people over for coffee. And that's one of the reasons I did the podcast because there's a limit to how many people I can have for coffee Mm. and so um, I help out people that way by giving yeah the same sort of things I used to give out over coffee I think yeah I love that and so you are now freelancing Mm -hmm. and how long have you been doing that and when did you decide to make that change I've been freelancing for about six years now Um, and it was a bit of an accidental thing just like a lot of um, I think freelancers. I was working um, for a magazine company as, um, and I was the associate editor, deputy editor, and the editor left and um, I was asked to apply for the editorship and I and I sort of held the ship together for a while. And then when they appointed an editor, I didn't get the gig. So they asked me to do it and I was a bit, I was just, I thought, you know, this is just not, yeah, I wasn't happy and, um, I looked around and I didn't find anything. So I thought, I'm just going to freelance for a, a few weeks or a month or something while I find something that I, I want. And, you know, I got a freelance gig that week, when I, the week I left, and I just never went back. I just love it. I love running my own business. And I just can't believe I didn't do it earlier. I yeah. think that technology helps you a lot. 
but I just love it. And it was one of the things where I used to get told, and I still do, well, less so now, um, that I'm intimidating <laughs> because, okay. I, because I know everybody and everybody's worked with me and I used to get told that. But now as a freelancer, that's like a, as we were talking before, it's actually one of my special qualities, like that Ooh. I'm connected and I know everyone. But I used to be told that I was intimidating and a bit um yeah, it's too full on. And so I find working for myself, it's much better. And I'm listening. Now they actually say that I'm connected and it's just the same word. Really. Wow. That's and, um, so interesting yeah. that how like perspectives change yeah. and um, yeah, from that internal perspective, I guess, when you're working within an mm. organization to when you're working for yourself and mm. absolutely it's a gift, but you have become well-known you know, in this space, but mm. you also had that background of being a journalist and editor. And how was that for you in terms of, I know you're saying you're loving it, but to let that go, that editor journalist title and then um, take on that freelancer? Um, I think it's fine. I, I'm actually okay with it. I mean, part, part of it is probably because I feel like I've done it all. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've worked at a lot of the really, sh- I've had shiny bylines and things like Vogue and, and and I've done all the things, I've been to all the fun things in my time and so I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. Mm. I don't need to have that portfolio that has all the, the big names because I've worked at all the big names and I've done that. And maybe also I'm at that stage or age when, I know a lot of it's just rubbish and bullshit. And, <laughs> and um, so I think that, um, you know, I, I, I'm not that impressed by it so, or I'm not that insecure thinking oh, I've only got a byline in the New York Times or in Vogue or uh, Delicious or wherever it is that that would be the thing. I've sort of done it and I realise, um, y- you know, it's not really necessary. Well, <laughs> so it's just whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you're getting work, and that—I mean—that speaks to your self-confidence, mm. but also your, um, yeah, that your comfort with yourself and how you choose yeah. to show up. Exactly, and I think as you get older, um, you sort of don't sweat the small stuff. Um, I've also got, yeah, I've been doing it for so long that I often get work. I don't have to hustle as much for work. I often get work. The balance is trying to do all the work rather mm-hmm. than actually getting the work. It's trying to work out what I can do um, in the time that I have because I really just, I don't really want to start up a content agency. I just, I like working for myself and I lo- I love the flexibility of working when I want to and when I don't and and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think that's such an important point that you know what you want. I think sometimes mm. when people are running businesses and freelancing is 100% running a business, it it might be a solo business, but it's definitely <laughs> a business. Yeah. But people, it's like, especially when they're looking how to show up on, and whether it be their website mm. or social media or how they're going to even present to someone and it's, I've got to be huge and I've got to be big and I've got to attract all of this when it's like, actually, what do I want in my life? What do mm. I want? How do I want to live my life? What work do I want to do? And that might look like four to five clients at any one time, yep. or it might look like this income. And then, you know, including the things that I know, I, you, I love that you talk about, like taking your dog for a walk and going and having that coffee down the road and being able to do those things. Like is, that's what success looks like to you. And that's what 
life mm. looks like to you and it but you know it's so often that it's thought of that we have to attract all of the people and mm. all of the clients and be seen in this big way and that's actually not matching up with what you personally want exactly I mean that's what I I love one of the things um because um I, I said how much I love the flexibility of working for myself and I didn't um realize how wonderful that could be I spent years in really large media companies like the largest in the you know in Australia and and even like Condonast and things but um really large companies and it was much more about being in the office that presenteeism you know where it's about being there and not necessarily being productive yeah and I love um and I spent I you know I've got children and I spent I was often the only parent in the in almost all the magazines I worked for and I would be juggling um so much time I'd be up at six and getting things I used to do the shopping in my lunch hour I used to um all the things that I had to juggle all that time and it was exhausting I used to run to after school care in high heels because there was only one bus that would get me from L to after school care at 6 30 um which was when it closed. And the reason they closed at 6.30 is because I chaired the after-school care committee and made sure because they wanted to do it at 6. And I said, if my kids come, that turned it into a viable, <laughs> financially viable thing. And I said, but you have to open it till 6.30. And I chaired after school and set it up. So I had those mm-hmm. options. But um, And I sometimes regret all the juggling I had to do. And now I think, oh, I could have... Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy the fact that I can start early, finish late, but have time off in the middle to have lunch or do something nice. Yes, for one of my kids who are, you know, grown up or I can chat to them. I often chat to them on the phone while I'm walking the dog. And yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I know you and Rachel did an episode on that, um, on the content part about working and juggling kids and how yeah. that all looks and definitely the the freelancer style I remember hearing you say all of that and um there's so much more opportunity to build a work around your lifestyle and oh for sure how do you want it to look and that's what's really important and I think the older you get you realize um I mean if somebody told me I was a bad writer I would be upset but well not really actually I wouldn't care but if somebody (laughs) told me I was a bad mother I would be mm. devastated and mm. cut to the quit. And um, and I'm now at that age when um, my two oldest daughters are just about to have babies, so I'm going to be a grandmother. And I'm so excited about, like, I'm going to Perth this weekend when my oldest daughter is in Perth and um, spending time with her before she has her baby. And it's such a privilege that I can work over there. I'm going to spend some time when she has the baby over in Perth. I can just take my computer and work there. How awesome yep. is that? Amazing. And um, which I never could have before. I negotiated. When I was at the Women's Weekly, I was um, pulled aside because I didn't get in till quarter past nine mm-hmm. and I, my pay was docked because I couldn't get in. I think they thought I was just lazy and I felt like I couldn't drop my kids off until 8.30 and I had to, you know, it was a long drive in and I used to run half the way. And, yeah, and so in the end, um, yeah, I couldn't get until uh, 9.15, so they didn't pay me until 9.30. Mm. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. That was, you know, that's part of the legacy of, you know, of being, I was the only parent on, on staff there. Yeah. And no wonder people have looked to this way of working. And, but I mean, you do support um, older women in particular with, in terms of this freelancing space. And why do you think some freelancers struggle to show up? And that was something that we talked about on, on the episode I was with, but how do you, why mm. do you think that they struggle um, with that freelancer title, but also in terms of putting themselves forward for work? Well, I think that sometimes when you're working for yourself, and I, I mean, I do say freelancing, but sometimes we talked a little, or you mentioned a bit about having that business mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a confidence thing. I think some women, particularly older women who may not have had a standard sort of career trip trajectory they might have had some breaks to have kids and particularly people of my era who it was a lot harder to get things like childcare, and there was less um, acceptance of women sort of combining a career and work you sort of lose a bit of confidence um, and I think that's hard and also I do think um, that when you're working as an older woman you do sometimes become invisible Mm. Um, I've worked with a lot of people who've done amazing things in their past and they've, you know, worked all over the world, done some really fabulous things and, you know, reported and met all the rock stars of the 70s and 80s or whatever is really cool. And then here they are in their 50s and 60s feeling irrelevant. So I think it's really important. I think um, that, first of all, it's trying to feel confident in yourself and not um, focusing on all those sort of ridiculous labels that people have around you. And I think that's, yeah, working for yourself, managing the business in the way that suits you, having that business mindset and just showing up every day. I think being professional, um, uh, you know, doing stuff, following the brief, turning in copy on time, communicating with editors, sometimes going a bit beyond that amazing customer service. So if somebody says, do you want to do this? You you always say yes, and then you work out how to do it later. And maybe that's the time of when I was younger and I used to be sent on all sorts of ridiculous like assignments and then you just have to make it up as you as as you do, and having to know, doing lots of research. And I think that's part of um, the more research and the better prepared you are, it's easier to show up. Yep. And I also think that sometimes people think um, that it's about them. It's not about us. It's about who our client or the reader or the listener or, or whatever it is. And I think you have to get your ego out of it. Um, they do say that um, when you're in your 20s, um, you worry about what people think. And when you're in your 30s and 40s, you stop caring about what other people think about you. But once you're in your 50s, um, you realise they were never thinking about you at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so it's often so much about you think, oh, have I not done this right? Have I not written it better? Am I not a good writer? And it's really, if ever, about you. It's about them. So the reason people don't get back to you is less about your work but more about what's going on in their lives and how busy and stressed they are and or how 
you know, how horrible their boss makes them feel or the fact they're not a morning person. It's almost always about them. Yeah, wow, what a good thing to remember. Yeah, we get so caught up in our own What have I done? Yeah. (laughs) It is something I say to my clients. I do say just get over yourself and (laughs) like get over it. Yeah. Um, You know, no one's obsessing as much as you are, but do you, (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you don't, but do you have any challenges when it comes to showing up yourself with your own personal brand? Um, No, it would be, no, not really. I mean, I think I sometimes... I love being a freelancer because people often don't know how old I am, which is sort of nice. They just know my name. (laughs) So I think maybe if I was in an office, people might concern. There's a lot of stereotypes about older people, particularly regarding technology. And I, I don't think that's true. I mean, when I first started as a writer and as a journalist, I used a manual typewriter and we had typesetters downstairs and, um, and even in the days when I was at Dolly, we used to have like a whole set of, we'd have to deal with all the compositors and stuff like that and set um, individual letters sometimes. Um, but, and because of that, I've mer- I've learned so many new skills. I worked on really basic technology until really advanced technology, you know, to the Adobe suite. And I've seen, I've seen the demise of things like MySpace and, and I've seen Facebook and Evolve. So I think I'm actually in some ways a bit more open to new technology because I've just embraced it as I've gone. I've seen so many things and I don't see things like I can see that there will be an end of something. Facebook may change. I don't feel like set in particular ways. You see new things. Whenever I see a new thing, I I try it because I have learned that it's better to embrace technology, particularly as you go. Otherwise, suddenly there's a big learning curve from where you Mm. are to where you need to be. Um, So I think that's one thing I I do like and and I have um, done, and I think that's important. Hmm. And there was something you great you mentioned on when I was doing the content bite about um, how you used to be a bit worried about getting your photo taken, but it was a bit of that get over yourself. Yeah. Uh, when because you had to have a lot of photos taken as an editor. Yeah. And so now you're quite okay with it uh, having your image out there because you've just had it done. Exactly. I think. Um, yeah. Because it is really hard when you're an editor the first time out for ages and then you've got to write the editor's note and there's a photo of it. And, and can I tell you, every photographer, one photographer I worked with said it's actually the one photo he really hates taking. He said when an editor asks you to take their photo, it's a great compliment and a whole double-edged sword because editors are the most insecure and um, paranoid <laughs> people. Sometimes, you know, and... I sort of think after a while, um, you just got to get over it. And and also maybe that comes with age too because as you get older, like maybe when you're 25, you're more insecure about how you look and the colour of your hair or, you know, but the older you get, you've got to come to terms with it. Some of my friends have had a lot more sort of um, surgical enhancements and I've never done that because I've never seen it end well you know you have a bit of Botox and then you feel oh that's good but then you always want a bit more and then you decide that you maybe you need this and then uh, yeah and it just all it is is a journey to insecurity Mm. and um, so you just have to accept every little wrinkle every single you know although I do dye my hair (laughs) (laughs) I I can't give that one up but you know I I do think um, you just got to 
get over yourself and just accept this is what it is. And of course, nobody remembers, well, unless you're Elle McPherson, um, nobody remembers how you look. They remember how you make you, them feel. Isn't yes. that? That's a famous quote. My Angelou. My yeah. Angelou. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, that's what I think you have to concentrate on. Yes. That is such a beautiful message. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I've mentioned a couple of times, but you have the podcast, The Content Bite, which mm-hmm. I love listening to and loved coming on, which is so much fun to talk to you. But how has that impacted on your your brand and your business running that podcast? Oh, so many ways. Like we often, I do it with Rachel Smith. So Rachel and I have been colleagues for a long time and, um, but we're, we're now quite good friends. So I guess that that friendship has grown in the three years that we've done the podcast because we connect with each other every week. Um, I believe it's been three years. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. We've it's done amazing. well over 100. It's like 120 episodes now or something. Um, it's it's great. Um, it's been a fun thing. It started off as just a way to Everyone was doing a podcast and we felt it was a way to explore that new medium. I don't think we thought it would be going around for three years later. I mean, my daughter had a podcast and um, she always is an early adopter. She's always really good. She helped me set up things at the beginning. And I just liked it because people would often email me and ask me to talk to their daughters or talk to themselves and I thought well maybe rather than just repeat myself over and over again mm-hmm. maybe I could put it out there and I chose Rach because she's so well connected she's got a really with Rachel's list that she runs she has um a really good established audience so it was like tapping into an already established audience for me she certainly has a higher profile and so I piggybacked off that so and that's good and we're quite different in our approach and I think that works quite well because it's not one way of doing things she does things quite differently she's way more organized I'm a bit more fly by the seat of my pants sort of person and I think that gives people a balance yeah Oh, no, they're super helpful, very insightful. Um, You started off super short and now they're a bit longer with the interviews. But, no, they really were that um, downloading of your knowledge and information Mm. and just delivering it in a different format. But I remember you you both kept saying at the start when you had, I remember when you started and you kept saying, we've got to stop giggling. We've got to stop (laughs) giggling. And I wrote back to you and I was like, no, keep the giggling because it's you and it's like you're having yes. fun clearly and you still giggle, which I'm glad Yes, about. we do. We do. Because you're and we do fun. have fun. And yeah. that makes the listener have, like, that's that's fun to listen to and you sort of, you said, oh, we sometimes we talk over each other and it, it's real. It's not so polished and slick and um, yeah. uh, unatt- unattainable. I think it's it's like, it is like having a conversation or a cuppa and and go mm. oh yeah thanks for that advice Lynn that was great yeah was good tip Rach well that's yeah. and Rachel and I try very hard to keep it quite practical and give people takeaways and maybe that's both because of our backgrounds as journalists and stuff and and even the copywriter so there's always a call to action there's something practical mm. and and so it doesn't sort of sound or airy fairy we wanted to people go oh that's a great um tip or, oh, I've never thought about doing it that way. And I think it's important. And also it's what has developed as we've had more and more guests on is I've basically plundered my copy book, uh, my copy book, my content book. 
And so I've had contacts from all different things, some of my clients, a lot of the writers that I've worked with, friends of mine and colleagues, as well as Rachel's contact book. And we've just, our friends have got so much knowledge as well and all our colleagues. It's really good. Hmm. Isn't it? It's such a nice way to to give back and and a fun medium. And I, I just, yeah, I think it's very authentic. Um, it's definitely, I got to know you a lot better through it. We've only got oh, the nice. chance to meet in person yeah. once, but you know, <laughs> and then we've been in a chat Facebook chat group and yes, but you know, getting to hear hear you. Um, and you are very generous, Lynn. With um, I know there's sometimes in the group that we have, you have offered to and you did, we did, we jumped on the call because I was having mm. a challenge with something. And I think that's so generous, but having a, a platform in which you can share that information more broadly, it's, it's smart, but it's also mm. very generous. So I, I, I thank you. But I also feel that generosity and kindness is the way of the future. And I do think that it repays me more than ever. Mm. So for every time I have somebody over for coffee and help them through, and I've had a lot of my friends were made redundant in the pandemic and having them over, making them feel better about themselves, giving them some practical help, it all pays off in a nice way as well as make it feel good. But heaps of those people, they all settle somewhere and I've got heaps of work from it. They know what I do. Um, People, I've had guests on at the podcast who remember what I do and I've got work from it. So I think it's all really good for keeping your profile high. I mean, even on things like LinkedIn, I often share the podcast episodes and it's surprising how many times I get work from my clients because they just see it mentioned and I think that's important as well. It's just being out there and being active and I don't think, I think sharing knowledge and helping other people doesn't helps us all it raises us all rather that there used to be an idea that if you shared too much that maybe other people would get work over you or something some sort of ridiculous thing but I think there's more than enough work to go around and the, the better the industry is the better we all are it's good for all of us uh, I so agree and the key takeaway I've got from this is that little black book and the networking <laughs> and opening that up mm. and using it, but um, yeah, leveraging those contacts and mm. and that it's a two-way street networking and, and relationships. It's a two-way street and absolutely you're paving the way there. Yes, yeah. Well that's that's the idea. And um, and often some people give me work because people know what my niche is and um and I've sent things like you know, I don't really do beauty copy or anything. So, but people I know do. So if somebody asks me, I suggest other writers. And also if I am full, I often suggest other writers that I know are really good. Um, And often as an editor, I've employed them. So I know how good they are. So that they're good and they're, they're, um, there are, I usually try and get them to mention me um, mention my name that Lynn recommended them or whatever because oh, yeah. then everyone knows it all connects back and then people it gives um a sort of authority and a, a bit of and a foot in the door yeah it's much nicer door. than a cold you know a cold lead anyway always yeah, for always. sure always always yeah mm. and so speaking of contacts and networking how do we get in contact with you well, I have a website which is so basic called lintestoni.com. <laughs> Keep it simple. I have an unusual name that's very easily Googleable. So that's why I've all I've just kept 
um, uh, the name and everything is based on my name, so my website. Um, and there's also links to the podcast on the website. I have a the feed is updated. I do use social media. Um, I love, I'm in quite a few Facebook groups, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I love that, particularly for freelancers. Um, but I basically, I do love Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but I never actually look at Twitter. Yeah. I love Instagram. So I do for, and also in interiors, particularly a lot of the um, big players are on Instagram. I get a lot of work from Instagram and I also get um, a lot of ideas. I do a lot of research. Um, I follow a lot of hashtags on certain design um, elements that give me work and I pitch to the magazines I write for as well. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Such brilliant tips and uh, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you more and thank you for sharing that wisdom and and your journey. Pleasure. Pleasure. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Live and Love Your Brand. I'm so grateful that you've shared your time by listening today. That means so much to me. And if you're loving what you're learning, I would be so appreciative if you'd leave a review, rate this podcast and subscribe. It really shows me that you care, but it also helps other listeners to find us too. Again, please be sure to connect with me. I love hearing from you and getting to know your story. You can connect with me on Instagram at Lovely Comms, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and please do join the gorgeous community, Live and Love Your Brand, our Facebook group. Or if you're ready to take action now and want to improve how you show up in the world with your brand, then head on over to lovelycommunications.com. Again, lovely is L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, communications.com to learn how you can work with me. My clients have gone on to experience opportunities that they could never have dreamed of. From starting businesses to taking leadership in their own life, they have found the confidence to stand in who they are and to go wholeheartedly after what they truly want in life. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to invest in yourself and reconnect with who you are, then let's chat. Thank you again for listening. Now go into the world and share the beauty that is the uniqueness of you. Catch you next week, lovely.